You know what this is? It's the world's smallest violin. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Tiny Violin Podcast. I am your host, Taurus Worthy. Today's show topic is Henry Ruggs III and Travis Scott. I decided to combine their stories into one podcast because I noticed some similarities surrounding the tragedies that involved both men. Just a heads up, both stories are pretty gruesome. So if you are sensitive or easily triggered to stories involving gory deaths, do not proceed with this podcast episode. I got you next time. So that audio you just heard right there comes from a video um, that was filmed in September of 2020 of Rudy Washington, who is Henry Ruggs III's girlfriend, where he's driving 100 miles an hour in his Chevy Corvette. And I don't know if you could hear her or not, but she's literally telling him to slow down, slow down, stop doing that. And now look at where we're at today. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Tiny Violin Podcast. I am your host, Taurus Worthy. I do not know when this podcast is going to upload, so I just want to cover all my bases and say thank you so much for tuning in. Okay, so for those of you who don't know who Henry Ruggs III is, uh, let me just give you a quick backstory. He is an American professional football player. Um, just real quick before I get into his story, I was looking at the analytics for my channel and I noticed that I have a lot of listeners from other countries, which is so super exciting to me. And I understand that, um, footballers in different countries mean soccer player, but in this situation, I mean, American football player who plays football, not soccer. So anyway, back to Henry. So he is or he was a football player he was released from the Raiders that's the team that he played for um on November 2nd Henry Ruggs III caused a fatal car crash as he was driving under the influence of alcohol and he was speeding in a residential area and slammed into the back of a Toyota owned by Tina O Tentor she was only 23 years old and the impact of him crashing into her car ruptured the vehicle's tank, causing it to explode on impact. Tina and her dog were trapped inside of the car, and they died on the scene. Uh, it is sad. Like, when I think about the horrific way that this girl lost her life, and for what? So this dude could play fast and furious on the streets, drinking and driving and acting like a lunatic. 
it's very disgusting and it's very sad. And I just want to extend my condolences to Tina's friends and family who may happen to stumble upon this podcast. I'm very, very sorry for your loss. It's, it's just disgusting and it's tragic. Um, and so I just want to state right now that I do not feel sorry for Henry Ruggs III. He should have known better. I, I, <laughs> I don't understand why a person in his position would even risk their career and their livelihoods like this. First of all, he is an NFL player or he was one. When you think about all the children and young boys that come up wanting to be famous NFL players and NBA players and how so few make it. And he's one of the few that made it and made it to a good team and he's making great money and you squander it all away so you could just be drinking and driving and acting reckless in the streets. And most importantly, it cost somebody their life and it didn't even have to end up that way. If you have this desire to be speed racing and doing all this kind of stuff, you have the means to rent out a racetrack. You could have, you know, rented out an empty racetrack and did all the speeding you wanted by yourself and not put anybody else's lives in danger. And then the drinking and the driving, you could have all the options we have nowadays, you could have called an Uber, you could have called a Lyft. There are so many other avenues you could have taken that didn't cost somebody their life. And then what about your own life? You have everything to live for. So why are you squandering your opportunity like that? Nothing about this boy's decision-making makes sense. And I get that he's young and he's 22, but he's old enough to know better. If he can sign all of these multi-million dollar contracts, then he has the wherewithal to understand the consequences of his actions. And he's looking at some very, very uh, harsh sentences. And I hope that they throw the book at him. I actually don't think it's harsh. I hope that he gets every count that he's deserving of. Because I heard about his bail, and I'm going to play that in a second. They gave him a very light bail for the uh, means that he has. So uh, give me one second, and I'm going to cue that up. We did file additional charges. Mr. Ruggs is looking at two counts of felony DUI, one involving the death, one involving the substantial bodily injury of his passenger, and then two additional counts of reckless driving and a misdemeanor. That misdemeanor coming from Ruggs having a gun in his car while under the influence. Clark County District Attorney Steve Wolfson says each felony DUI carries up to 20 years, while each felony charge of reckless driving carries up to six, forcing the former football player player to look at up to 52 years in prison, a six-year jump from the 46 he initially faced. The minimum punishment for his felonies would be six years. It doesn't mean Mr. Ruggs is going to be found guilty. It doesn't mean that he is going to prison. Those are ranges of punishment. Right now, Ruggs is home on a $150,000 bail, many wondering how he could be released after he's accused of causing a fatal crash. He did have to turn over his passport and has to take four alcohol tests a day to ensure he's not drinking. But Wolfson says it ultimately comes down to the judge. Well, what's important to us is whether the person is a flight risk or danger to the community. Uh, Mr. Ruggs is facing significant prison time. So we're always concerned when a person is facing prison time, whether they're going to show up, whether they're going to appear in court, things like that. 
I still think that $150,000 bail is just a slap in the face to the victim's families. That is just crazy and such a very low amount. And I feel like this is the celebrity favoritism, the athlete favoritism being shown right here. Um, I do hope that justice prevails, though, and the family gets justice. And this man does some serious time behind bars for this because he is absolutely a threat to the community. If you could have all of this going for yourself and still be recklessly engaging in this type of behavior, you're a nuisance and you're a threat. So you need to be behind bars until you can get yourself together. Um, again, I send out my condolences to the family who lost their daughter, their sister, their friend. Um, 23 years old is extremely young. <sighs> okay, so now we're going to move on to Travis Scott. Initially, when the Travis Scott story first broke, I was prepared to pin this whole travesty on him. For those of you who don't know who Travis Scott is or what happened with Travis Scott, let's rewind. Travis Scott is a 30-year-old rapper and auto-two singer who is also the boyfriend and the father of Kylie Jenner's two children. Well, she's got one child and is currently pregnant with the other. He's a performer who likes to hold uh, festivals yearly called the Astroworld Festival. This year it was held on November 5th at Energy Park in his hometown of Houston, Texas. Eight people were reported dead from being trampled to death at this festival as they rushed the stage at the request, allegedly, of Travis Scott. Now, as I stated before, I was more than prepared to blame this whole fiasco on Travis Scott. Oh, I get it. They painted me out to be the bad guy. Uh, yeah. As much as I would love to pin this whole fiasco on Travis Scott, I do have to admit that he cannot solely take the blame for this. In the midst of my research, I came to the understanding that there were a myriad of circumstances that came together to create the shit show that was this Astral World Festival. To start, going back to my previous podcast, we were, we are, excuse me, in the midst of the Great Resignation of 2021. And that means that there is a staff shortage everywhere in the business sector. 911 dispatchers were in short supply in Houston the week leading up to this festival. Dial 911 in Houston and you may get this. You have reached the Houston Emergency Center 911. All call takers are busy at this time. A recording when you may be most in need. KPRC2 investigates obtained the 22 second recording that people may get when calling 911. You have reached the Houston Emergency Center 911. It's in English and Spanish. Usted se ha comunicado. And in some cases, when the recording ends, a caller is met with silence. Until. Houston 911, you need medical police or fire. This industry is a life or death industry. Yes. And seconds matter. Yes. But yet. There are people that call and get placed on hold. Yes. Robert Mock is deputy director of the Houston Emergency Center. He says part of the problem is a significant staffing shortage. Currently, they are down over 40 call takers. 
many employees routinely working 12-hour days. Like any other industry right now, we're, we're, we're scrambling to, to hire people. Hiring is tough. Call takers for the city of Houston start between $16 to $18 an hour. Mock admits former employees have left for higher salaries elsewhere. And I feel like based off of that alone, not being able to directly speak to a 911 operator in case of an emergency should have been grounds enough to cancel this festival or at least postpone it until staffing is back to where it needs to be in order to run um, the city of Houston safely. So now, as you heard, there's an issue in Houston, Texas, with a shortage of 911 dispatchers. So in case of an emergency, not only are the festival attendees going to have an issue with getting outside help um, at this concert, but the regular residents of Houston are also going to have a hard time getting help in case of an emergency. So now you have that variable going on. And now the next one, which is poorly trained security and not enough security, allegedly, that had occurred at this Astroworld Festival. And I'm going to play this news clip um, of someone who works security at the Astroworld Festival and then a professional who handles high profile events such as Astroworld that should have been more professional um, than what it was. And I'll just let you guys hear what he had to say. Okay. Do you think Do you think there were enough security officers there? I think there was enough security officers. I just don't believe that they took the right, you know, route of hiring security. You know? What do you mean by that? Um, it was freelancers. It wasn't people that was used to securing nothing. Well, you're saying you got the job through a text message. I got the job through a text message. When I got there, I knew it was like a temp service type of situation because they had a line of like 200 people. So hundreds of people were reportedly hired for this event of 50,000 people. Uh, in, your, in, in your experience, uh, what do you make of what you just heard in terms of the preparation required and that was maybe lacking? Okay, so I, I will say that they didn't have enough people at all. I don't think there's ever enough security for any, any event. Uh, everyone I go to, I've, I've seen it get through. I think they do okay moving people around and making it look like there's a lot of people, but I think there's, there's definitely a need for more security on the ground, on the gates. When you have a festival like that, you have so many people coming through. I think a lot of times they're just trying to speed up the process. I don't care how long it takes. If you've ever been to an airport, they don't care if you make your flight or not. You, they have to do their security protocols. Mm. And I think if they complete their protocols, it'd be a lot safer for everyone to attend the event. And I also want to say this, I combed through hours of footage from the Astroworld Festival from attendees that recorded with their phone and posted it to TikTok and YouTube and various different platforms. And a lot of them were saying the same thing, that when they went through security, they didn't really check for their COVID vaccination statuses, the little cards that they give out. They weren't checking for those. They didn't check to see if people had weapons on them. They were just kind of ushering and herding them through the checkpoints and letting them on the festival grounds without properly searching them. So that's an issue in itself. Um, then if you look at the security guards there, honestly, when I think of security, I think of big burly people and it could be man or a woman, whatever. But when you look at the footage of some of these security guards, they were tiny 
some of them were overpowered by uh, the kids that were running through. Um, a lot of them seemed very ill-equipped and unprofessional as far as how to deal with out-of-control attendees because when they saw the kids bum-rushing through the entrance, all they did was push them and shove them down on the ground and the kids just jumped up and ran right past them. It just looked so disorganized. They honestly looked overwhelmed by the amount of people that were there. And then um, there were talks about how there was no vetting process in hiring security to begin with that it was just kind of a cattle call like hey are you available for this day some um security members said that they didn't even get paid their so-called payment was you get to watch a free concert but they're not there to watch a free concert they're there to do a job which is to protect the people that are there at the concert so it's all of this mixture and combination of things adding up to (laughs) this disaster that again we'll get into and then the last major component I believe is the lack of medicine and medical aids um, on the fairground or on the festival sites and again it goes back to the great resignation there is a shortage in every sector including medical so there wasn't enough medical staff according to the concert goers at this festival I look and they're carrying this this guy out and they're about to set him down. And I noticed he looked really bad. His eyes were rolled in the back of his head. He was completely limp. He did not look good. Um, I asked the security guard, I said, have you checked the pulse on this man? He said, I don't know how to do that. He's like, please help. So I, I checked the pulse. I did not feel a pulse. His eyes were rolled in the back of his head. His pupils weren't reacting. I shined my flashlight in there. Uh, I said, do not drop him off here to go get someone else. You need to go take this man to the medical tent, take him somewhere, go. I cleared the way. Another security guard overheard me say, because at first, before I told him that, let me rewind, I told him, I was like, I'm an ICU nurse. I've worked in the ED before. I have experience with this. Like, let me help. Instead of just trying to shove through me. The other security guard had overheard me tell the man that, tell the security guard that. So I, he, he came to me, he said, hey, we need your help up here. So he took me to the front of the, I guess I was in, I think I was in the VIP area. There were two towers beside me that people were standing on and also where the, the light crew was on either side. And um, I, I walk up and I mean, nothing could have prepared me for what I saw. Nothing. I mean, I, I work in the ICU. I see people die every week. I, when I was working in the ER, that's, we get people coming to us that are, you know, have are CPRs in progress all the time. Um, I saw three people laid out on the ground and maybe four medics um, doing CPR on three people. One of them was blue, the guy that looked the worst. I ran over to the medic and I said, do you have an AED? Do you have an AMBU bag? What do we have? How long have you been doing compressions? I just started asking the question. She said, I don't know. I said, has anybody relieved you from compressions? She's like, no. Um, there were other civilians trying to help do CPR that didn't know how. I mean, teenagers, 19 years old, I asked him how old he was. 19 years old trying to do CPR at 18. I mean, I'm only 23 myself, but still. Um, so I, I take over compressions. As I'm doing compressions, I'm asking the medics around me. I said, where do we have an AED? Do we have, um, do we have an AMBU bag, which is to 
give them breaths. Uh, I said, what do we have? Do we have an IV kit? So I could put an IV, do we have meds, like epinephrine to give them? They were like, we have 180, we have nothing. We have 180 and it's over there. And I look, there's a woman, as I'm doing the she's got pads on her, the shock pads, it's the best way to explain it. Um, they found the Ambu bag, they brought it to us. And so someone started giving him breaths as I was doing compressions. I told them the medic, I don't know what they were. I don't know if they were paramedics. I'm not sure what they were. Some of them seem to have some experience. Some of them seem to have little to none experience with the situation. I looked at him. I said, I need you to find a femoral pulse because the man was very heavy. It was hard to get a carotid pulse. There's a lot of adipose tissue, fat tissue. I said, I need you to get a femoral pulse up by the groin. He said, I can get a radial pulse. I don't know where that is. I said, no need a femoral pulse or a carotid and he's like i don't know how to do that so since he knew how to give compressions i had him take over compressions felt for a pulse whenever we did pulse checks there was no pulse checks going on there was it was madness it was madness so as you just heard the lady there was describing the whole astral world festival is pure madness and i would have to agree with her um if you didn't catch it, she is an ICU nurse who went to the Astro World Festival to enjoy a concert. She ended up passing out and was one of the few lucky people that was able to get medical care. And after she came to, she immediately had to go to work and help save lives of the people that were there at the concert. And as she already stated, there were not enough medicine available for concert goers. There wasn't enough meds there or medics there excuse me to help and assist the concert goers there wasn't enough supplies they were shorthanded on everything and it seems like the people that were hired the medics that were hired were not very well versed in what to do in these in these cases and these emergency situations and so she was left to try to run the show and she wasn't even hired to work this venue so if all of these outside factors contributed to the deaths at the Asteroid Festival, then why am I coming for Travis Scott? Well, I can only hold him accountable for his contribution to this disaster. And this isn't his first rodeo. In 2015, Travis Scott was arrested and charged for disorderly conduct after inciting concertgoers to ignore security and rush the stage. In 2017, he was arrested for inciting concert goers at Lollapalooza in Arkansas. In 2017, also, he encouraged one of his fans to leap off of a balcony and into the crowd, leaving that concert goer paralyzed. And that concert goer sued him for his medical bills. And again, I know that we all have free will. That fan did not have to jump into the crowd. But he was pressured by Travis Scott to do so because Travis Scott seen him as he was performing, hanging from the balcony. He told them to turn the lights on and they cut the music down. And then he starts egging him on to go ahead and jump, um, assuring him that the people below him were going to catch them. Now, this man could have injured everybody below him as he fell down. And Travis didn't even consider that at all. He was just so hyped to see this man jump and fall. And the man hurt himself really, really badly. And on top of that, Travis Scott's security dragged this man um, out of the crowd and onto the stage. And Travis Scott gave him a ring for his so-called bravery and then just shoot him off and kept going with the show. So you can see he has a pattern of causing chaos and inciting riots. He's known for causing rages and 
and wanting to see his fans get completely out of control. Let's continue. In 2019, three people were injured after being trampled from a crowd rush at the Astral World Festival. So as you can see, there's a pattern here that is leading up to the massacre that occurred at this 2021 festival. Hey, Tiny Violiners, if you have any questions, comments, or show topic ideas, feel free to email me at tinyviolinpodcast at gmail.com. That's tinyviolinpodcast at gmail.com. The connection that I am highlighting between Travis and Henry is that they kept flirting with danger. The title of this podcast is You've Been Warned. This isn't the first time either of them have pulled stunts that could have ended deadly. Instead of being grateful that they got out of those situations unscathed, learned from it, and not done it again, they kept raising the stakes until it ended in fatalities. In Henry Ruggs III's case, I don't think that it was his second time drinking and driving. It is my opinion and my belief that allegedly He's done it more than the time that was recorded last year that I previewed at the beginning of the show. I believe that he's done it often enough to think, I'm good, nothing can happen to me. I just don't believe he went from driving 100 miles per hour to 169 miles without trying every speed in between, a few times without suffering any consequences. Now, I'm not trying to get on my soapbox and condemn these men. I have found myself in predicaments in my past that could have ended in catastrophe, but I learned from my mistakes. And when I vowed never to do it again, it wasn't until the danger was no longer a threat. I really meant what I said and I changed my behavior. But I think there is something with celebrities, with influence, fame, money, that allows them to feel that they don't have to abide by society's rules, that they are above them. And to a degree, they are. The power and the money insulates them for a time from punishment until their crimes are too egregious to ignore. Oprah Winfrey said this a few times on her talk show back in the day. Lessons are taught until they are learned. That message has always stuck with me throughout my life. If you found yourself stuck in the same patterns in life, it's because whatever lesson you were supposed to learn, you failed the test and life will keep presenting this test to you over and over again until you pass. Travis and Henry seem to be adrenaline junkies that like to push situations to dangerous limits, often without concern for even their own life. It's unfair that their lessons came at the expense of innocent people. I don't feel sorry for either one of them. My compassion and sympathies are only extended to the people that were impacted by their reckless behavior. Innocent people have paid the ultimate price with their lives. So if Travis and Henry have to repay that debt and their freedom, loss of careers, bankruptcy, sullied reputation, so be it. They have earned everything that comes next. I will be watching both stories very closely, and we will truly see if justice is served in the end. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Tiny Violin Podcast. 
I am your host, Taurus Worthy. Thank you so much for tuning in.